0: giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Picks. Six podcast, CBS Sports, NFL podcast. I'm Britson. I'm your host or leader today or whatever the hell we're calling it. Leaders yeah, and leader. legends. Big yeah. 10, baby uh join me brady quinn and ladies and Bowl. fellas what's up dude and brady did uh yeah,
1: what's up dudes and i are stuck in closets right now
2: <laughs> I know. Yeah. um he's so close but yet so far away
0: <laughs> I was, yeah i was gonna I, it isn't are you guys using like a laptop or like what's the deal here yeah, yeah. i think yep. yeah 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 using uh, bob britson's I doubt you. Bob, it's a, it's a MacBook. He doesn't use me. He tried to switch and then he was like, I don't understand how this trackpad works. <laughs> you know, know what, Bob? Like like I don't. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. Bob's, Bob's, uh, you know, we, we, we need to talk about this. Let's, 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 stay focused. let's stay. <laughs> Tell us push it forward. <laughs> let's, stay, let's, stay, let's stay, let's stay on the task at hand here um, and discuss various matters. Like, you know, not scoring points. There's Ooh. no points scored. Dude, this is like it. Unders were 10 and two last week. No points are being scored. And we've seen, like, I know, like, you know, back, remember, like, when the Rams and Chiefs played on that Monday night football game when Jared Goff was on the Rams and, <laughs> <Shoot> Patrick, <out. laughs> but it was like, it was like literally every. Smart football writer, like Kevin Clark is my boy, wrote something about it. Like, you know, the Wall Street Journal, has, I think he was at the ringer. Like, every like site was like, Welcome to the new era of football. Star Wars <laughs> has changed our lives and football will be an explosive. It's like, okay. Like, there are going to be some good offenses, but there have been good offenses for like 20 years. Like, the Rams were awesome in the, in the early 2000s. Um, and like, it, it hasn't really panned out that way. If anything, I think we've seen like the migration of some teams saying, We can't be explosive and we're going to go to like, ground and pound um but we've seen a a real the last two years unders have been hitting at a shockingly high rate the highest rate um over the last uh you know 15 to 20 years and 21.7 points per game this season that's weak sauce brady look there's a lot of reasons
1: why i think we could you know chalk up some of the uh lack of offensive firepower and, and scoring and all of that i mean you could touch on some of the narratives like, Hey, we've, we've gone through an era where there's no more Tom Brady. There's no more Peyton Manning. There's no more Drew Brees. There's no Mm. more these, these Aaron Rodgers isn't playing this year. Right. You know, he could probably help some of those numbers. Um, We've moved on from a phase of, of hall of fame quarterbacks who are playing for such a long period of time. That's one potential explanation for it. I mean, outside of Patrick Mahomes, who else would you say as a starting quarterback right now is a bona fide hall of famer
0: oh mm, a good question Matthew, Matthew Stafford but I mean like it's not guaranteed
1: but no and that's where like I mean we'll see right um and, and so you kind of leave that question out there and see how people absorb it I think there's uh, guys who are on their way but there's there's questions right about like where the quarterback position is at. um I have always felt and Lige, this is what I'd like to kind of throw it to you is there has been for a long time now, um, and, and it's twofold. It's lack of offensive linemen and the way offensive linemen are being coached. And I think that directly plays a result in all of this um, because of so many things. The spread offense, when you're talking about high, right. like junior high, high school level, seven on seven being more you know prominent than actual tackle football at a lot of youth levels. That's had its effect and impact trickling up. And so I think offensive line play, because of the cut down off seasons and cut down hitting and all that, has also suffered due to that, and which has obviously played a role in offensive production, both running the football and protecting the quarterback, obviously, in the passing game. So, I mean, do you see that sort of thing? Because I, I know I see and feel when I go watch high school games, when I go watch college games now.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, Brady. Me and Harry were actually just talking about that in the rundown because I always put little notes in there. I know, Brenton, you see them from time to time. And literally, that was my first point, regression of offensive line. Like, that was my number one point, Brady. And to your point, I don't think it's being coached up as well as it used to be. Like, we see teams that usually have success in the past of the NFL. It was built right through the trenches, right? And now with offensive line play, it's literally like people are – are literally scouring the streets trying to find offensive linemen where before right. Brady, like it's always hard to find a good offensive lineman, but you could find them. You know what I'm saying? But now that's not the case because guys, whether it's, they're not being coached up right in high school and college level. Like you, I watch a lot of college football, college football. It, they're just not a precipice on it as far as, you know, the technique behind it, because like you said, there's so many spread offenses and quarterbacks getting the ball out of their hand so quick, like the actual technique of run blocking and then, also angles and, and specific things you need to have to have success on offense. I don't feel like that's being coached up right. So I think that's a, a a reason why to your point, Will, we have seen a regression in points and there aren't a lot of teams scoring you know 27 and 30 points a game. Also I think execution on offense, Brady, you talked about this uh guys don't hit as much, right? So like during training camp, it's a lot different when you're going through walkthroughs and, and things and, and practice than when those actual live bullets are flying during real games, right? That's why we always see offenses kind of start slow when the season begins because a lot of coaches don't even want to put their players in harm's way during training camp. But, Brady, when we were playing, there was a callus that was needed to be, you know, built up for you to have that success during the regular season. And now coaches are so scared to lose somebody that instead of guys getting hurt, you know, in training camp, they're getting hurt week one, two, three, and four, and they're having extended injuries. So I I think that plays a major – it, uh, part of it, the injuries, the the lack of callus building up with the less hitting, and then also I think the regression of O-line as far as it being coached properly, that is a major factor why teams are not having as much success on offense.
1: Yeah, and I'll go ahead and throw in a couple other things. I think schematically, too, um, you're seeing more teams not just play a straight man, they're match zones when they play them, mm-hmm. in part because the game's gotten more spread out. And when the game gets more spread out and you've got more three wide receiver sets on the field, in order to combat that, you know, you don't want to put, put yourself in a position where you've got guys who are isolated um, out in space in man-to-man coverage sometimes where they can eventually be schemed up to, you know, win or, or create space to create bigger plays. And we've seen a lot softer coverage. We've seen a lot more probably drop eight, uh, forcing quarterbacks to have to be patient and have to actually read what the coverage is. So th- there's some scheme to it as well. I mean, I, I would say this too, you know, RPO, the run-pass option, that's so prevalent in college football – you can't really do it at the NFL level. And it's a big adjustment, I think, for um, quarterbacks who now can't solely look at one defender to get a read on what they're going to do with the football. They're handing it off or pulling it and throwing it. And, mm-hmm. and, and in part because of, again, three yards downfield and college level for eligible. In the NFL, it's one. And it's much more strictly mm-hmm. enforced, too. So um, you've got all these things that add up, you know, soft coverage, the rules and all that. And I also think how quarterbacks are being taught is very, very different than how it was when, when I was growing up playing more under center. You know, 60 plus, 65% of the snaps are now taken from shotgun. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not saying that you can't win and play with rhythm and things like that at the quarterback spot from shotgun. But, you know, I grew up, you know, and went to Notre Dame and was playing in a West Coast offense where you had a three, five, seven step drop and different things off of that. And the reason why that's important, because you had a sense of timing and rhythm so you could throw with anticipation mm. within that, and you just don't see that anymore. That's something that you always hear as a a you know a plus for a quarterback from the NFL level is, hey, he throws with anticipation, and you, you bring it up when you're analyzing college quarterbacks because you're like, yeah, not many dudes do it anymore because it's yeah. not a part of the offense. Whereas when you're under center, you knew on three, your foot hit the ground, man. That ball was coming oh, out. Coming there's out. no hitching. Yeah. Or something else. When you knew there's certain plays. By my fifth step, I know I'm throwing to my first read or not. And, and as I hitch up, I'm going to two. And the next hitch is three, four, all of your drops. Same thing with a seven-step drop. But by when I get to my seventh step, I know whether or not I'm throwing to the first first uh, per, uh, reading the progression. So there's all these things that I think over the course of time, because of the style of offense that we're running, you know, going back into shock and all these things, it's taken away from some of the precision, some of the anticipation that the game used to be played by. And I think the stat that stands out the most to me is the red zone in particular. When you look at the red zone, uh, offensive efficiency, you know, it's been coming down now for four years since 2020, averaging about 3.2 yards per play, about 50% efficiency. It's now down to about 45, 46, about 2.8 yards per play. So you've got a spread-out offense that's not running the football as effectively. And then down in a short, condensed portion of the field, quarterbacks aren't playing with as much timing and rhythm and, 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 and anticipating windows like they have to down in that portion of the field. So I think you're starting to see a, a number of these things display themselves so
0: far this year. And by the way, not playing the preseason – probably plays a little bit of a, um, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think it's, I mean, it's a really interesting topic and it's like looking we were talking about Brady and I just texted briefly about the quarterbacks from like 2016. Um, I mean, you don't like sorting by touchdown leaders. It's Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, one MVP, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady at number seven. And you get to like Derek Carr at eight, James Winston at nine. And you still have Carson Palmer, Eli Manning, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, rookie uh, Dak Prescott, right? And uh, rookie Jared Goff, rookie Carson Wentz. And um, additionally, Russell Wilson, who was still playing at a really high level at that point in time. You had like. Andy Dalton and, and Ryan Tannehill were mid or whatever, so th- there's definitely that drop off. I sort of wonder, like, what do you guys think? Is it is the coll- is the nature of college football and how teams run their offenses and the you know the, yeah. you know, the wider hash marks and all that? Is it is it like a self fulfilling prophecy for the quarterbacks and the offensive linemen? It, it's not that.
1: It's not that. Like this, this is to me. and This is one of the things where if you want to get into situational awareness and, and clock management, game management, it's this. exactly for everything like yeah they're not being taught now when they get onto the field to have situational awareness of what it should be and to
0: watch you're saying in college in college the guys are because
1: you're looking at the sideline and look i've had a coach tell me the justification for it you know he he comes like hey man let me tell you something i got a really nice house house."
0: (laughs) yeah i remember you told (laughs) a story story, yeah yeah.
1: right like that whole conversation you sit there and go well yeah I, i get it i don't understand the justification but This isn't helping this young man when he gets in the NFL when that's what he's supposed to be tasked with.
0: But that's sort of what I mean. I'm saying, like, one, you have these coaches in college, like, dude, if you don't win within a couple of years, in most places, you're gone. So you're not going to be like, hey, like, you're not there to like mold some young quarterback into becoming a great NFL signal caller who's prepared for this high level pro style passing game. Most guys are like, all right, my system runs like this. I'm calling plays like this. And I mean, even like the, I mean, even I feel like Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, you know, is an old school. Pro style as it gets, right? I mean, they're still throwing up the cards with, like, you know, like whether like Notre Dame's definitely got a card with your face on it, Brady, right? Uh, I, to me, th- that's not. the dis,
2: that's the disconnect right now in college football and the NFL, Brady. Like when we were in school, like your job as a coach was to teach these kids up, right, to empower them. I don't know if that's being done. To your point, Brady, these college coaches are scared now because. I mean, college has always been a big business, but more so now, right? Like, like you said, well, you don't win in three years. Like they're ready to get rid of you now. It depends on what your contract looks like. Cause guys like Jimbo Fisher, and Mario Cristobal, they're not going anywhere. So to me, that's an excuse, right? Because if you have a deal where you're going to be there minimum six, seven years, your job is to empower your quarterback or players on your team period. Right. And then also teach them so they can do it themselves. Like you don't need to coddle and hold their hands. Cause like Brady said, like when they get to the league, Like, that's on you. That's not on the coach. You don't look to the sideline and be like, coach, should I check out of this? No, you have to do that. So I think there's been a disconnect. And you talked about the RPO, right? We kind of saw a shift in the NFL where, like last year, it was big. But now, I mean, refs are calling it tight, Brady. Like, literally, there's an offensive lineman two yards down the field. They're throwing the flag where before, Philadelphia was killing teams with the RPO. I mean, the the, uh, Miami Dolphins killing teams with the RPO. And you don't see it as much this year. And I think, and like I said, Brady, that was a great point that you brought up. I think it's because refs are calling it so tight that the last thing you want to do is put yourself behind the eight ball and get a five-yard penalty. Now you're looking at first, first and fifteen instead of looking at you know second and, and three.
1: It's funny, you know. There, I think we always attribute like the RPO to a dual-threat quarterback. And I remember like yeah. Peyton was doing stuff like that back in Denver. Yeah. They weren't saying it to anyone, but that's what they were doing. They would do be down too. the red zone, and, and inside the fifteen, inside the ten. They'd be looking at a defender. He'd be pulling that thing out, and slinging that thing if it wasn't there, instead of handing it off. So, you know, these are things that, yeah, I mean, and Rogers done it. Brett Farwell, but the, you know, but the
0: RPO isn't a RPO isn't like the run pass option for the quarterback all the time. It's is the quarterback going to hand off and run and or pass? And, 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 and RPO, yeah, it doesn't it's have to be a Reed linebacker.
1: Option. It doesn't have to be an edge play. It, it's it's just a run play, and yeah. there is a pass option option. Right. Yeah. That's all it is. And by the yeah. way, the offensive line's blocking run because yep. that ball may be h- handed off. There's no doubt, right? So well, that's why
0: you get this ineligible man downfield because it's the correct. guy they're run blocking. And the quarterback pulls and and he then holds throws the ball and ball too
1: long. Yeah, which is yep. one of the reasons why. Like, really, when you look at who was most successful with it, people hate when I mention the name, but Chip Kelly. When Chip oh, Kelly mm-hmm. did it, and you had guys like Sam Bradford ball ball out, Nick Foles ball out, they were running a lot more outside zone. And that outside zone kind of pulled everyone, and you could hold it because they're all running to the sidelines. Right. And so you were able to have enough time to read that second level defender before a guy got two yards downfield. So, Whoa. um, you're, you're your boy's name
0: Hartman at Wake Forest, they did that like extended. That's a
1: different, it's, a, it's called a slow RPO and a little different. Hmm. And that's more so the safeties, slow. basically, the wide receivers get up on the safeties, right? right? It forces those guys who are 10 yards deep now they have to sit flat footed. And you got a wide receiver who's running full speed right by him, which you know that, that works at the college level until oh, you goodness. play a team with a defensive line that just busts through and charges the mesh point. Now it doesn't matter. Um, but but I think there's a lot of things you can attribute it to. I just, you know, it's early in the season, you know, not playing preseason games where you can iron some of these things out, probably has a little bit to do with it. Um, but it's it's been tough to watch. And we've also are in an era where it says – I, I would say easy on the offense as ever before. I mean, defensive holding, um, oh, you know, pass, defensive pass interference, the way wide receivers are, are considered defenseless in the act of catching. So as far as throwing across the middle, like it has gotten as easy as it's ever been for offenses to move the football. And we just, we don't see that the scoring right now, we're not seeing it
0: quite as much. All right. So the 2016 quarterbacks that I talked about number one, overall pick that year, Jared Goff. Didn't have a mm-hmm. great season in 2016. It's already, it's, it's wild too. Like, people are like, this guy's a bust. And he goes to the cool. Super Bowl. He's like, hey, he's in the Star Wars game with Mahomes. He goes to the Super Bowl. And then he's a bust again. The life, of, life cycle of a quarterback, man, is, is just wild. Like, it's, it, you know, people, like, it is the highest pressure job in, in all of sports, any sports, any sport. And golf gets traded. To the from the Rams to the Lions. Matthew Stafford goes to the Rams, wins a Super Bowl. So Jared Goff's this bridge guy who's just – they're just waiting to draft somebody and move along, and all of a sudden, yada, Ooh. yada, yada. <laughs> yada Seinfeld, did you yada, yada? Three years? Yada, Prince, yada. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Jared Goff's the yada, best yada. quarterback in the NFC right now, Brady.
1: I mean, statistically, you can make that argument, I think, in the way he's played so far this year, and it, it's awesome to see. I mean, we – we talked about this uh, i think last night was we were texting a little bit uh, 13 and 4 of the last 7 games over 4400 yards 29 touchdowns four interceptions and 69% completion percentage nice. i mean go find me who's played better in that span and uh go it's awesome to see for him. We tend to forget like he was the number one overall drafted quarterback. Like yeah. no one when he came in the NFL was like questioning his ability to throw the football all around the field. I mean, he is the Rams
0: traded a ton to go get him, right? Did they trade right. for the Titans? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and,
1: and he's a talented passer. And, and you're seeing that now too, especially with the protection he's getting and the way Ben Johnson has been able to, to mm. really cater towards his strength. So I uh, I love it. I I'm I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the Lions fans and for the Lions themselves. Like Dan Campbell's one of those coaches that's easy to root for because he's just genuine. Oh, yeah. He is who he is, and he coached those guys to play hard-nosed physical football. And it's good to have them uh, have a lot of success so far. Yeah, well,
2: I know you were going to talk about, like, you know, is there a quarterback crisis, you know, before the Jared Goff conversation, but we kind of, you know, time kind of ran over. Yeah, but, well, I, mean, um, I, think, I think
0: he's like part of it too, though, because it's like Jared Goff is the best quarterback in the NFC, and in 2016, like – the third best quarterback in the NFC was like Drew Brees, which is just, you know, like that that's a big difference.
2: That is. But I, I think Brady made a great point, right? And I wanted to talk about this. It's, it's the coordinators, right? That matters. Coaching matters. We always talk about this, Brady. I think Jared Goff, like you said, Will, when he went there, he was supposed to be more of a stopgap quarterback, right? But they had faith in Jared Goff. They empowered him. And Ben Johnson does a masterful job of, spacing as far as letting Derek Goff see the whole field right that the way he calls the game on offense he's one of the top guys in all the NFL so when people talk about is there a quarterback crisis I honestly think there's a coordinator crisis right because Brady you can speak to this as a quarterback like uh, a, a coordinator's job is to highlight what you do well and really focus in and hone on what you do well and then also put you in positions to make plays right I think Ben Johnson's done a really good job of doing that with Jared Goff. Jared Goff is playing lights out. Honestly, should be in MVP uh should be an MVP candidate right now. I, I know the I think the rankings right now are Tua and I think Mahomes is second, but honestly, I think Goff should be ahead of Mahomes. Honestly, just from how he's played this year. Well, if you're talking about this year, right? We're not talking about in totality and what Mahomes has done for his whole career. The MVP is supposed to be to the best player this year, right? It's not about what you've done in the past, which again, does that help you? Of course it does. But I think Jared Goff, the way, and you talked about it, he's probably playing the best out of any quarterback in the NFC right now. I think he's done a masterful job taking care of the football, knowing where to go with the football, throwing accuracy. And the thing that I liked about him, if you go back to that Green Bay game, in the first drive, he threw an interception. Brady, I always like to see how quarterbacks respond after having an early, like, mistake. Next drive just takes him down, <laughs> scores a touchdown. So, like, the growth that he's had since he's been in Detroit has been something really great to watch.
0: The uh by the way, uh Jared Goff uh over at FanDuel, just look at the odds, uh, two of the favorite at plus three thirty, Patrick Mahomes three uh plus three forty, Josh Allen six and a half to one, Jalen Hurts, eight and a half to one, Brock Purdy ten to one, Lamar Jackson 14 to one, Trevor Lawrence 19 to one, and Jared Goff also 19 to one. I don't hate that at 19 nah, to that's 1. Crazy the to way the, the way the Lions are playing, like they could yeah. easily get the one seed in the NFC. I, they look like the best team in the NFC North. I like, agree, with that. I, that, yeah, so I agree like- with
1: that. I said that I agree with that.
0: Yeah, it's like they could kind of skate through and um you know there's, you, there's if you if you put the lions if you put the lions in and I've said this like all week, but like take this Lions team, take off their jerseys, put Cowboys jerseys on them, and they're like the favorite to win the Super Bowl, it costs like five to one to win MVP because yeah. it's like people just aren't willing. There's just a, like a well, kind you're of waiting comeback. to see. Like you're waiting yeah, to see right. if, if the Detroit Lions <laughs> the other Detroit shoe lions. gonna drop on the Lions, it's like it's just yeah. not dropping.
3: Like right. this is a well, good football
0: team. We're six games in the season. Right, I if think we, we can make definitive statements right, on you the your amazing? Vikings, uh,
1: no. Well, here's what I'll say about the Vikings. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying they haven't. They they won their only divisional game they played, so that they can still be competitive without Correct. Justin Jefferson. Different story. Um, so we'll see. Because it does not sound like he's gonna come back anytime soon. I, I, I would just say this though. Six games into it, just be careful. We got 11 games early left. Early. There's a lot of teams at 500 that I'm like, I don't know, man. I can see them turning things on, getting hot here, and. uh That you know, we know how the NFL schedule is set up, they want to have all those divisional games at the end of the year because they know that's ultimately what's going to dictate things.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of the Vikings, let's go, let's talk about the AFC's version of the Vikings. (laughs) I like that was a smooth transition, we're like, and and Justin Herbert. I mean, these, this like, okay, this Chargers team cannot not play. It's like the Vikings are like, look, we. Somebody, somebody, was, I saw somebody tweeted out. It was like, can, let's just fast forward to the two minute warning in the fourth quarter of the, the wow. Cowboys Chargers game. Someone's going to be up three points. Some like Dak or Herbert's going to have the ball. And we're going to make outlandish statements about their career based on what happens on the final drive of the season. But, dudes, the problem here is Justin Herbert is now, I believe, 0 for 3 when holding the ball, trailing by three points with like two, like inside two and a half minutes, I think so far this season is Justin Herbert anti-clutch.
2: So me and Brady just had this fun social media thing that we did, right? And we were talking about different quarterbacks and Brinson, I brought this, you know, this discussion up to you last night because everybody knows I'm, I'm a big Jay Herbo fan. Justin Herbert's thrown more touchdowns and passing yards than any quarterback in NFL history in the first three years. I'll one up your stat that you just gave Will. Justin Herbert has thrown 13 interceptions in the fourth quarter of one score games, going back to the year he was drafted in 2020. That's five more than any quarterback since 2020 uh, in that span. I hate to say it, he is anti clutch right now. I mean, Brady, we know this. The film will show you what you are. Now, again, are all interceptions created equal? Of course not. If you look at the interception that he had for Stefan Gilmore, Quentin Johnson, as a receiver, has done a better job of fighting back towards the ball. He essentially got punked by Stefan Gilmore right there for that interception and Stefan Gilmore is a guy that people need to talk about potentially going to the hall of fame. Like that's the type of career he's had. He's very savvy as far as getting the football away from quarterbacks, but we saw it in week one versus Tua, right? He scores a touchdown. Tua has the clutch gene goes down there and throws an absolute dime. Ty- Tyree kill for 40 plus yards. and Then throws another dime to him on a fade in the back of the end zone where I don't think you could throw a better ball, Brady. So Justin Herbert has a chance to be the hero and he doesn't get it done in that game. So, it sucks to say because I know people have been at me and at my neck like you no know, two was more clutch than than Herbert and I'm like we haven't seen two in the playoffs though and the one time we saw Justin Herbert in the playoffs they were up what three or four scores and lost that game too so I hate to say it he's not clutch right now he has to prove it otherwise because that stat was alarming when I saw it 13 picks in the fourth quarter and um I believe in one score games like that that's not a fun stat to read, uh, Brady. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: it sounds like they need to play less one score games and be up maybe in the fourth quarter. Right? You don't have that problem.
0: here. Top th- top three in the NFL in both the Philip Rivers and the Justin Herbert era in one score games. This team is who they are, and they're gonna do. It's like you're slip. stuck in like you're stuck in one score hell for perpetuity. If you're a Chargers fan, like yeah. like I don't know if like. Philip Rivers dragged a bunch of NC State bleep out to the west coast of them and like cursed this <laughs> team, cursed this franchise forever. I don't know. I don't think that's the case because like the Chargers had stuff before. Like, they, dude, I, I thought it was the weakest sauce move of all time for Archie Manning to step in and be like, my son's not playing for this franchise, but he wasn't wrong. He, he he might have known
2: yeah he's got two super bowls and i think he's probably thank right. yeah.
0: um by the way cool. worth uh no I'm, I'm getting this from the twitter account we i follow it uh it's at tb underscore facts it's like a dom brady facts twitter account they actually have good they i i am just giving you the but they went in uh the the proprietor of the account went and did instead of like because you can sort by number of game-winning drives but that's a little misleading because it's like you know, some guys have more opportunities, right? So, like, the, like this is – they sorted by percentage of game-winning drives. Um, Tom Brady, ridiculous, 72 of 127. That's 56.7%. Like, that is an outrageous number of conversions on his f- attempts at game-winning drives. Um, Vince Young is actually number two, but it's, like, 13 to 23. You have Mahomes, Andrew Luck, Elway, Peyton Manning, Nick Foles, a small number two, Garoppolo, a small number, Big Ben, you know, you just see like, like when you look at the, the, the it, it checks out like anecdotally, like Stafford's kind of up there. Herbert is behind, right behind Drew Brees at 43.3%, 13 of 30. I think that's probably too small a sample to definitively say probably. anything yeah. either way. But like the eye test and the Chargers test does say, man, these, this team can really lose a football game late.
1: Yeah, you love fixating on this team, and this franchise, because you did for so long when your father, Rivers, I, was there. I, I don't know.
0: I broke. I broke over yeah. them when Rivers went to the Colts. I became a Colts you fan, and now I'm a Stafford fan. You? yeah. I don't know. Dude
2: I, mean, <laughs> dude, I got enough pain in my life in college. Oh, okay? I don't need. I, I have something funny to talk about. How about that fan that everybody thought was a bot that was a hired actor for the an Chargers? Chargers. I, I could have sworn I've seen her as an extra
1: in a movie. I'll say that I could have <laughs> sworn I've seen her as an extra in a movie or something. Talking about bringing Chance up
0: with teams. Her. and it was like, it was almost like they could have like paid her to like go there and like just be like like the like anti Taylor Swift, like this is like the, like the Chiefs of Taylor Swift, and we have an extra from a, like from like uh, Deep Blue Sea or something. Um,
3: Ooh, by the way,
1: reference by the way,
0: thank you. Shark. Is, is that what
1: is that what L.O. Cool J is the chef, and he yes, yes, friends, it is. And yeah is yeah. and, yeah. and his final words were, <laughs> "Take me back to the ghetto." Those those are those exact words. I'll never forget it. I was like, I was like, God, I love LL Cool, J, man.
0: (laughs) There's some line about it's like the sharks. It's <laughs> like, the sharks, intelligence. sharks are intelligence. Like, the sharks are swimming backwards. The sharks are self aware. I never really understood
1: why it was so big that they could swim backwards. I'm like, they just turn around pretty quick. I'm not really
0: yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like oh, a shark has reverse. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> oh, like yeah. a that dude will whip around and get that, you that in That thing to put them over the top? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah like, oh, it was yeah.
1: like when, like when we started like walking, they're like, Oh, they're walking upright. Like, yeah, the sharks now are swimming. i like, I think the sharks yeah. now are pretty badass. I wouldn't want to. If you've
0: ever, you ever been swimming with a shark?
1: Uh this past summer Ooh. we were out on the boat and I was with my kids out at a um sandbar and someone had yelled, Hey, <laughs> there's a shark nearby. I kinda of pointed where the direction where it was at. And uh sure enough, I was literally launching my kids, like, into the boat, throwing up in the water.
0: <laughs> oh, 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 you're, you're launching them back into the boat. Right, right, right. Back right. into the boat, yeah. yeah. And
1: I'm, like, sitting there kind of looking around. I got up in quick. And then we stayed out of the water probably for the next 20, 30 minutes. And we saw it. It was probably at that point about 50 feet away. And then uh, someone oh, actually came up really close to the boat where we were at. Uh, we were anchored, tied up under the boat. And they uh, they ended up taking a picture of it. But it came right along the boat. And it was a decent size Little bull shark. So that was the closest encounter I can say I've ever. seen. Those are aggressive. Oh yeah, I I was like, I was so, I was like the worst thing as a father, like thinking one of your kids get bit by a by a bull shark.
0: Um, I uh, first time, first time I ever went scuba diving with my dad in the the Caribbean. Uh, our dive master, we jump in and we're down. We're like at like forty or fifty feet, and the dive master like pulls out it's been decent like decent depth right like well, you uh, can't, maybe, you
1: can't, what people don't know is you can't rush to get back into the surface
0: no no when you're maybe you're 60 whatever it is like you're there you're there and whoever else <laughs> whatever else is there you get you're hanging out we'll with it <laughs> so the dive master pulls out this two liter coca-cola bottle i'm like what the hell is going on and starts rubbing the sides of it well apparently when you take it because like the the pressure compresses it and when you rub it the sound it makes is like similar to a dime grouper and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, an eight foot hammerhead comes flying out Why of like the darkness. Do I, I don't. But, but great question. I think to scare me because like my dad starts looking around for me, and he can't find me, and I'm just like holding on to like my dad's fins behind him, just like peeing <laughs> in my wetsuit. Like what? The did oh, is, is up it, for this. Was that like, the last the time you trapped your pants, Will? Is that the last time? Uh, No. Uh, I don't know that. No, I didn't. One, I think that's the okay. answer. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I peed my okay. wetsuit for like, sure. All right. Who, who pooped in the wetsuit again? All right. <laughs>
2: what is that floating in the ocean? Yeah.
0: I, have been, I have been pooped on by a remora, which is like a parasite. But that's a whole different story for a whole different day. Um, we should probably take a break. <laughs> and when we come back, who might be shopping around at the trade deadline? Ooh.
3: We will tell you coming up progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
0: it's october which means oh boy uh, why is my my brain is such a little tiny like squirrel it's like it's like i almost took this in a totally different direction they involving know, the well, I know involving know. like the south carolina gamecocks Do you know what they call it october what do they call it the gamecocks oh, call yeah. it yes I got it. Now, but like, I've seen Josh Pate, our colleague, tweet about this. So I think it's fine to call it Cocktober, right? Like,
2: oh, I mean, you said it either
0: way. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't stop myself. It could be Brocktober for the 49ers. i would going very well for South Carolina or San Francisco or anybody who likes pumpkin spice lattes. I bet, Brady, you're a pumpkin spice guy.
1: Never, never <laughs> in my life. You never had, had one anything. pumpkin spice latte? Never.
2: First off,
1: I'm not a big pumpkin anything fan. Yeah, me uh, either. Maybe with the exception of pumpkin pie, which I'm not a big pie guy. Like, I don't really like stuff like that.
0: So you're a cake, man, aren't you?
1: No, I'm not a cake eater either. Will, I, I know you, uh, <laughs> you like to eat your cake and have your little tea and all that tea <laughs> while you're, while you're eating and drinking your little tea. So, uh,
0: I'm really more of a cream brulee guy, but whatever. <laughs> there you go. Isn't that creme brulee? Oh, I'm man. just kidding. I, I'm, I'm a cookie man. Um, yeah uh falling leaves football halloween god halloween's right here too and uh yeah, trade deadline which is actually on halloween what yeah. which is interesting <laughs> yeah. thank god the trade deadline's not like on april fool's day. i hate april fool's day worst worst holiday on the planet uh we got bradley chubb christian mccaffrey roquan smith calvin ridley all traded last year this is a big name trades yeah. um let's talk who should be buyers and who should be sellers uh brady you can go first who should be a buyer at the deadline and what should they be looking for
1: here's the hard thing about answering this question and and when i was thinking about this if you're a team that's got a losing record right we would all assume mm-hmm. they should be buyers because they would be wanting to load on town to try to make a run or maybe you're 500 or something like that yeah the the problem is is like unless you you know need a, a skill position player and I, like i, I just it's, it's going to be such an expensive move to make.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I I think that's why you don't see a ton of buyers in football, that on top of the fact that it takes them uh, oftentimes really long to allow that player to, like, work into the system and have the impact that you're hoping for. So I think there'll be more sellers than buyers, but I think when, much like the housing market right now in this economy, you're not going to see a whole lot of movement. Like, you're just not going to see a whole lot of transactions taking place.
0: Um interest rates to the 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 like having to like like the the cost to acquire and then like the you know acclimating the system which would be the interest rate too high the
1: the, the cost of debt obviously right now is is impacting the housing market we can get off that subject but to your (laughs) point draft capital whatever you say say, dr Dr. plan yeah draft capital is like your interest rates right Yeah. yeah and what they're asking is is gonna be far too high so I, I, you know, when I was thinking about, all right, who would be big buyers? I'm like, oh, well, New England or some of these other teams, like maybe, you know, Minnesota or maybe someone else like that, where Kirk Cousins said, like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. And, like, they've only played one divisional game. Maybe they feel like they want to try to keep loading up. Um, you know, Denver, given the position that they're at, you know, the wide receiver play hasn't been stellar. Everyone wants to throw shade on Russell Wilson. Outside of this past week, he's actually played well this year. You know, he has not been the problem there. Uh, so does – I mean, Denver's cutting guys loose Do They Look to bring anyone in on defense. Um, or is it like a team like the Miami Dolphins who's up as one of the best, but could they add on a couple more pieces? Um, So it's hard to predict this. I don't really have any like hard, like this team's a buyer. I mean, right now I'd say this. I don't know how much longer Deshaun Watson going to be out with his shoulder injury. P.J. Walker didn't look great last week. Dorian Thompson-Robinson didn't look good before that. They might want to look at trying to find a backup or someone they do Mm. feel good about going after and getting. Because that defense is the best in the league or up there next to San Francisco, and yeah. that might be the thing that holds them back from having a, a better seat or a potential playoff spot.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you've got, like, you look at this, it's... the Part of the problem for the NFL with the trade deadline is we start these talks, we finish six weeks of football, right? And as you point out, like, the Jaguars, this time last year, were 2-4. and four, And the Jaguars went on to win the division and make a big run, so you can't definitively... And they acquired Calvin Ridley, but he couldn't play. You look at the AFC, and you can go down as far as the 14th team in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans at two and four. I mean, they're two games out of first place in their division. Like the Titans are going to be like, well, and now maybe if Ryan Tannehill was out for the year, you, you consider something different if you can get like actual value in return, but Mike Vrabel not a, I'm going to give up and just call the dogs off at two and four type of guy. I, I, I don't think so really like new England and Denver on the AFC side, especially if, we're having a 4D chess battle between Bill Belichick and Sean Payton for for tanking for tanking, which may or may not. Be. <laughs> yeah, but who, by, by the way, who are you tanking for?
1: Exactly. I know. What,
0: Caleb Williams suddenly like like three picks against the in the first quarter against Notre Dame. It, it no has not been
1: three picks. He hasn't played well this year, especially when under duress and under pressure. Right. Go look at the stats. I mean, it's it's and we will put on the tape and you watch it. You're like, all right, if we can get to him, he has a as well. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Drake May, yeah, he's fine. I'll put it this way. A lot of people that I've talked to, some of them Drake may hire. And that's yeah. not something that they advertise.
0: Yes. Oh. Uh, may, may, was like, may has been a lot better the last two weeks since he got Tez Walker back too. And Tez Walker plays a similar spot to like Josh Downs. Like Josh Downs was his guy yeah, last year. has been underneath. great for Indy, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, on the NFC side, actually, we'll stick on the AFC side, dudes, because you've got a. I mean, look, your team, three and three. I mean, there's talk about Aaron Rodgers coming back. Let's be yeah, realistic. I
2: think more so, you know, Brady talked about who's going to be buyers, who's going to be sellers. I think it's still too early in the season to determine that. But I think, you know, there's there could be player swaps that make a lot of sense for both teams. So essentially both teams are gaining something by swapping out players. I think the Jets swapping out Carl Lawson for Hunter Renfro makes a lot of sense. I mean, Randall Cobb has struggled in the slot for them. Now we know he's Nathaniel Hackett's guy. He could be a guy that's going to be a leader. But they've needed more out of that slot position. I think think we talk about Garrett Wilson, right? And I love that they've almost force fed him the ball the last couple of weeks. He's been upwards to 12 targets per game like the last two two weeks. I think they still need something in that slot. They're missing something in that slot. Hunter Renfro essentially not being used at all with the the Las uh, Vegas Raiders right now because they brought in Jacoby Myers, who plays a lot in the slot as well. I think that makes a lot of sense. The Jets have a very deep D-line. Yes, they did restructure Lawson. So you got to see and tinker with that to see what that looks like as far as training uh, you know, player for player in regards to Hunter Renfro and Carl Lawson. But to me, that makes sense for both teams. The only thing is they play in about three weeks. So would they be willing to make that trade knowing that they're about to play each other or do they wait till right before the trade deadline to do, to do that swap?
1: I, I think the other thing is with the Jets is like, are you really building things for this year?
2: I mean, if if I'm walking around in week five throwing footballs, Yeah, I mean,
1: (laughs) I I, I get it. But it it, it 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 begs the question, like, are you still in the playoff hunt if he could come back by week 15? I I don't hmm. know. But the other thing is, is like, you're going to pay a premium if you're a buyer right now. Right. Like, there's just there's not going to be a lot of, you know, Well, that's why I said
2: the player for player swap makes a lot of sense here.
1: Well, again, and and that's a theoretical player. player I'm more presenting the point that. Like I think a team like that, like I'm not sure that they're really trying to, to, if they do do anything, think about this year more so than the actual future. And so then you've got to take into account like what's the contract situation of the person you're trading
2: for and yeah. Oh, you well, know, I think they're both technically that. free. I know Hunter's free after this year, and I think Carl, you can get out of his deal after this year.
0: Well, well, let me ask you this: what? And this is sort of like not not directly related to the the trade deadline, but I mean it's also like let's say I mean I don't think this is going to happen. Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays in the playoffs. Like I think that's insane like this is not uh, an ACL would even be pretty tough but in Achilles man like yeah. at his age I understand he's ahead of schedule and all that if, if Zach Wilson gets him to nine or ten wins and Aaron Rodgers can play in the wild card is he like I mean well let's do this look at their schedule they're a three and three football
1: team right now Mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, like, what number do they need to get to? Ten wins? I think
2: you have to assure yourself. But if – I would I, say – you uh, 11,
1: Eleven, you'd have to say for sure you're getting in. For sure. Ten, it might be still iffy, right? I have to win the right ten. So, yeah. yeah. Go through the Charger, –
0: Chargers at home, one of those big ten. Like, you know, like, you beat the Chargers <laughs> at home, you, you, I mean, in two in weeks, I mean, three weeks. Like,
2: yeah. They have the Giants next, Chargers, then Raiders the next three.
1: So they can win twelve. of the
0: next three.
2: That's they could possibly went all I mean, I think I think with even with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, them going three and three, I think people are going to say that was going to be a tall task just because yeah. of the schedule and how it came out. So I think with Zach Wilson going three and three, you look at it and say, while defense is still playing top level now, they've given up too many yards, but we're getting the turnovers that they weren't getting last year, right? So as long as you can keep continue to get the turnovers, and you would think without having Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and those guys coming back, that they would elevate their game too as well. So. Again, Zach Wilson, has he taken a step? Yes, right? Do they need him to continue to take steps? Obviously, they do. Um, but as long as he's not turning the football over with that defense, you still have a chance in any game.
0: So uh, they've got those three games, Giants, Chargers, Raiders. Mm-hmm. Then they have at the Bills and the Dolphins at home. Oh, I man. think if you can be 6-5 and five through those games, then you are you consider yourself very much a playoff contender with Falcons, Texans at home, at Dolphins, Commanders at Browns, at Patriots to close out. Like, yeah, I mean so you the sample's
2: favorable down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I mean it is. I mean, like at Browns at Patriots is not a not a great way to close it. Like if the Jets have eight or nine wins going to New England with a, what a like a nineteen game losing streak on the line, like that's like that, like the that playoff. Streak,
2: I was so sick that they lost that game. And, I, and that game, honestly, Brady, and we talked about this. That game might come back to bite them this year. Literally.
1: Yeah, I mean, to- If they lose both
2: times to them, I, I just good heavens.
0: If Belichick, that's like Belichick's Super Bowl. If he knocks out, it's like Belichick oh, loses super. the number one overall pick, but like takes the Especially Jets if out they only the- have like
2: one win going into that game versus yeah. us, like versus the uh. Jets. like
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Other possible buyers, Brady. Let's say you're the GM. I could see either one of you guys being GMs. It'd be fun. Just like mostly like I'd prefer, I want to see Brady's a GM just so he's like antagonized by local reporters. Um, like I feel like, like dudes, you don't want to be the GM of the Jets. That seems like, <laughs> a it's like, it's like you're just asking, asking too much of a human being soul to be the GM of the Jets for a long haul. Uh, if you're like the I Atlanta mean, Falcons or the Washington Commanders, right? You're running those your teams level. three and three, or like the yeah, the charters. She yeah, just, just don't want anything to do with it. Um, Packers, Vikings, like one of these teams where they're on the fringe of the the playoff race. Are you do any of those teams interest you, Brady, as a buy a possible buyer? Um, I, I think the Packers would potentially, but
1: like they're not even a big player in the offseason in free agency. That just yeah. I mean, I know Brian yeah. Guten said that one year, but that was about it. Um, and so it's it's hard to think that they're gonna make some big splash or big moves. They teams seem to want to look into the players that they have. Um, the Vikings are an interesting team, but they've got a lot up in the air too. And you think about after this year, Kirk Cousins becomes a free agent. Mm-hmm. He's already reportedly said he's not gonna waive the no trade clause. He wants to stay in Minnesota, so he's not going anywhere. Maybe they can hang around and, and stay competitive uh, once they get Justin Jefferson back.
0: Should they so trade they, Justin Jefferson?
1: I, I don't think so. I mean, I, no. <laughs> my thing is he's too good of a player, whether Kirk cousins is there after the season or not. And right. so if you're going to go take a quarterback in the draft, you better have two guys to throw to and that sort of offensive firepower with Kevin O'Connell calling plays. So, um, I just think it's, it's interesting. Like I think Minnesota's kind of curious to see what next year looks like. I think a lot of the teams that you named are in that position. So it's hard to then want to go all in on trying to make some last minute moves. Like, I think you're either looking at buyers being teams that are already strong, maybe already in the running or like can get someone who they're just trying to cut for cap space purposes or whatever the case is the rest of the season, like all of the Denver Broncos, like, Hey, Frank Clark, let's just, they're letting him go. All right. Sweet. I mean, if you're the, you know, that was just an example of, like, an edge rusher that's played well, extremely well in the postseason. And if you're a postseason team, you're now a buyer, right? Like, you're invested into this. Uh, so maybe, like, a team like the Lions or something. You know, there's some of these teams that I think are right there that are 5-1 that want to get over that hump. Or or maybe a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, you know, someone wants to part waves or move on from another wide receiver they feel like could maybe come help. Great. All right, let, let's go find ways of bringing him in to help us be that much better. So I, I just – it's tough to get a sense for, like, who that's going to be because I think there's only a handful It teams that may even fall into that category.
0: Uh Dudes, the Panthers are a team that 0-6, mm-hmm. going to be done, don't have a first-round pick, need to get some draft capital back. Yeah. Uh, any any possible partners for the, the Panthers?
2: Yeah, I wrote one down. I, I would love to hear how Brady or what Brady thinks about this. The Bills, they lost a really good linebacker, Matt Milano, right? Frankie yeah. Luvu is a free agent after this year. Now, again, they could see him as part of the future. I love the way that he's been multiple as far as being an edge guy and in the box linebacker. I think a guy like Sean McDermott would love to have him on his team, a guy that he can line up all over the place. I think that makes a lot of sense, depending on if Carolina doesn't see him as a piece for the future, which they probably do because he is a really good player. But if they could maybe get him for maybe a third round or maybe maybe a fourth fifth round pick, God damn, Bobby, he's right. do really well, Brady. You, you, you talked about it With teams are selling right now; they're gonna over, they want teams to overpay for a player, you know. And, and we talked about it. The Bills feel like they're a Super Bowl contending team, and if they feel like maybe you know not having Matt Milano, if we get Frankie Louvre in here for one year, are we willing to part with a fourth or fifth round pick, you know? To get yeah, I, I think in this
1: case, you're saying like fifth sixth rest some you know kind of later on but to your point i think that's the right track right like you got the buffalo bills who clearly have been decimated with injury go call up some teams you know see and, if they will and end up-
3: panthers
0: and bills have the connection with Sean mcdermott and uh brandon uh, brandon bean who was there brandon in carolina bean. all right we're gonna take a very quick break and then we're gonna very quickly make some thursday night football picks next At the Saints on a short week, the Jags have been London reinvigorated them. Um Brady, Trevor Lawrence, knee injury. Sounds oh. like he's gonna play. Yep. Tough defense yep. to play against. Tough
1: <laughs> defense to play against. Uh, and then look, the Saints defense has been playing well. It's their offense that I'm more concerned by. I mean, yeah. for what that roster looks like, that team has not been able to kind of click and get it all together. Uh, and, and dudes, we were talking about this earlier today. Like the Jaguars defense has played pretty well, so yeah. Uh, this is one where, look, I, even if Trevor Lawrence doesn't do a ton because of the name being immobile, lean on Travis Etienne. I think Lawrence can make enough throws uh, to to get this team to be able to to be able to cover the number. Um, which in this case, I think what they were they giving a point and a half or are they, are they yeah a it's point uh, it's
0: actually moved. It was Saints minus one. The theory was like we don't know about Lawrence. It's actually moved to Saints minus one and a half, which is kind yeah, of yeah, interesting news. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So, so I'll, yeah, I look
0: I'll at play this play
2: game. Play. You talked about it, Brady. Trevor Lawrence. We'll see where he's at. Uh, he's actually the best quarterback currently this season as far as pass yards, you know, on the move outside of the pocket. He's thrown for over 300 yards, so you would wonder if that knee kind of stops some of that. Uh, We know this defensive line where Grandison and and Cam Jordan can really get after you, so I'm with you. I think the Jaguars have always been better when they've leaned on Etienne, right? I I believe five out of six games, he's had at least 20 touches, and they're four and two. One of the games that he didn't have it was the loss to the Chiefs. Texas game, he had it, but they were kind of down big in that game, so, you know, those touches kind of are misconstrued. So I think they really need to lean on Travis Etienne. We talked about the defense, the Ascension. Josh Allen playing like it's a contract year, right? Seven sacks are this year. Will he get after Derek uh, Carr? And let's not forget, Ryan Ramchek is banged up. James Hurst, they could be without two starting tackles. So that could be feasting for Josh Allen on the edge because we know Trevor Penning has struggled when he's been a starter this year. So that's something to really watch as we go through this week of practice. I doubt that Ramchek plays because the NFL has, been real you know pertinent as far as concussions not bringing guys back without you know a two week span he just played this last week in the second quarter got a concussion we'll see where Hurst is with the ankle hasn't practiced up until this point so uh, I think the big concern for the Saints is their red zone offense it's just been abysmal it's been really bad Derek Carr had his best passing game last week and they lost to the Houston Texans so it was good to see him be able to air the ball out they got to figure it out with Alvin Kamara too because he's in a career low in touches. Not just oh, yardage per game. I think 3.8 yeah. yards per touch this 3. year. 3.75 the yards per That is the biggest crazy. thing. We talked about this earlier in the show. The red zone efficiency has been brutally bad in all the NFL. Uh, the Jets have been abysmal in it. The Saints have been abysmal in it. Something has to change for the Saints in the red zone if they want to compete and win at NFC South.
0: 11, or actually 10 of 13 games this week have a total of 45 or less including uh, this one, which currently a total of 39 and a half. There's a bunch of totals under 40. Uh, Who you got? You want to go total side? We'll get you out of here on this, guys.
1: Yeah, I I think I picked a bunch of these earlier. I'm trying to look back through, but um, I I believed I liked the over. And and I I know unders have been the trend the entire season. Like that's – sorry, I'm trying to look back through Maima where I put it. Actually, no, this is one of the only ones – I went with the under. so okay, I'm definitely um, taking the under. Saints, Saints unders have know. been cashing. No, Saints unders <laughs> I mean, week, man. Trevor Lawrence um, banged up. I have to go back and look. I think I put that in my email. I'm not sure. But um, the, the point is this is like this is an overreaction this week with where the lines are set uh, to how things have been this year. Unders have been cashing in all year long, not just with the Saints, but like predominantly the majority of the games have been hitting the under. So uh, I think this, this week we get a little bit more scoring going on too. And we start hitting some of those overs. Um, so yeah. I took the under in this game, but I think for the by and large, for the rest of the games, uh, the
2: overplay is probably better.
0: All right. yeah, Anything I on the side of the only
2: team in the NFL that the under is hitting every single game they've played in this year, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, you look All at that, averages. you look at Trevor Lawrence and being banged up this year. I, I love the under. And then you just look at the trend of Thursday night footballs. I believe, besides that Commanders Chicago game, I think almost every game on Thursday night is in under. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm not picking aside. side. The numbers have fluctuated too much, too many injuries.
0: I like the under in this game. Right, I dig that under as well. Don't care what the total is. Get down to 25. Don't care. All right, that'll <laughs> do it for us. For News, for Brady, I'm Britson. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hit the like button. And we will see you tomorrow for our week seven pick show. Bye.